My name is Glenn, and other than screwing up the whole service this morning, I am going to preach to you this morning as well. Um, before I do that, I've got a couple of things that I wanted to bring up. So next week, Randy Shile is going to be coming in, starting to preach three times a month here. It's really going to be a huge help to me personally because we've got a lot of other projects that are going on, uh, sale of our building, uh, building team, uh, finance team, search team. There's a lot of teams that we're teaming with life and a lot of projects. So um, thank you, um, the one person who enjoys puns. Um, so if you want more information about Randy, I, I gave a lot more explanation in last week's live stream, so check that out. Um, I don't have a ton of time to go into that. Um, also, I wanted to call Andrea up to give you guys an update on search team this week and ask her some questions about where we're at with that. So it's one of the many teams that we've got going on. And so Andrea, I'm going to find your text here. All right, so how have you been thinking through hiring someone new to come on staff here at Redeemer, being part of the search team? Well, um, I think what really struck me at first was just kind of rethinking everything I've uh, believed about. Why do we ch do church the way we do it? Why do we structure it the way we structure it? Why do we believe what we believe about church leadership? And... Um, for me, a big part of my perspective on this comes from, I've lived a, a pretty crazy life, which has been very global. I, well, my parents were born and raised in California. My older brother and sister were born in Spain and Holland. I was born in Iran in 1978, and there was a revolution starting, so my dad quickly found a job in Germany. And then when I was five, we moved here. And then when I was 16, we moved to Singapore, and I finished high school there. And then after college, I joined Operation Mobilization and spent three years with their, one of their missionary ships. So I was in Asia for a year, Africa for a year, Europe for a year. And then I was super burned out. So <laughs> I That's moved to London <laughs> and spent this really anonymous year studying sound engineering, which is why I do that. Um, but anyway, so like just noticing cultural things, and, and particularly like what's particularly American, is kind of a second nature to me as breathing, you know, like I just, I notice stuff. And so I guess, um, yeah, like, sorry, I brought notes because I'm, I'm not good at this. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've realized with all of this traveling that the core of our faith is something far and above culture. And we bring a lot of culture to how we do church. Um, for instance, in Tanzania, like I would meet another believer and we would both love Jesus and we would both love his word and we would both wanna hear from the Holy Spirit, but they would also love a five hour church service that involves a lot of dancing. <laughs> and that's not what I love. Um, but I realized, you know, we bring a lot of things that we, we start defining this is right because it's what I'm comfortable with and we don't actually realize or think about, is this actually biblical or not? And so that is, I guess, one of the things that I just naturally kind of bring up a lot, like, is the way we're going about this more like an American political election, or is the way we're going about this more based on American corporate hiring practices? So I think my mom will tell you I like to challenge things that don't make sense to me and challenge things that don't seem true, and so I'm kind of always just going back to, is this biblical? Like, let's just sift through and think why we're believing what we're believing. Yeah, so in your so. words, so 
there are plenty of options and methods and that type of thing for not only doing church, but mm -hmm. leadership and then picking leadership and all of that. So one of the things that you've learned is to go back to scripture, find mm -hmm. out how they did it back then. What yeah. are the timeless truths that we can get from scripture? Good. Um, that's really good. So we have said uh, around here, character before competence during this process. What does that even mean to you? And why would we say that? Um, well, for me, that again went back to why do we believe what we believe about this to start with? And one thing I realized that apart from just our culture, our American culture, um, something that influences this a lot is our own personal experience with churches that we've been to in our lives. And so uh, really before this year, I hadn't realized, and well, David and I just as a family have really kind of challenged each other to think through like, why do we believe this stuff? And a lot of it we've realized is just because of other churches we've been to and it seemed right. And we realized we'd never actually sat down and um, just looked at the New Testament purely for, you know, what should church look like? Like almost like if you're an alien and you're dropped on planet Earth on a desert island and it has a Bible on it. <laughs> like if you just read the New Testament without any preconceived notions, what would you think church was meant to look like? And so, um, yeah, you see a lot about every believer was told to be in awe of Jesus and let him shape your character. And um, the churches in the New Testament, the goal was that they would be led by some guys who resemble Jesus, essentially. And I mean, of course, there's gifting and that's really important, but when you really like look at the, the passages, there's so much more about character. And one of the things that's personally struck me the most in thinking through all of this is how Peter um, tells the elders to shepherd their congregations. And so I've spent a lot of time in Psalm 23 just trying to learn how is God a shepherd and how does that apply to men who shepherd congregations. And there's this book that we came across called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and it's an amazing book that really, really, really opens up just this word shepherd and what it means. And it absolutely involves competence, but it's so much more about character and God's heart. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really humble calling. It's not like the reward for being super great and having amazing character. It's like a sober responsibility and a humble calling, which yeah. requires character like yeah. Jesus. And there are some things that we can train into as far as competencies are concerned and that type right. of thing. But when you're looking, it didn't seem like there was a lot of training in character when Paul wrote to Timothy or to Titus, here's what to look for in someone to see if they have a track record in that. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense yeah. to me, um, but I'm on search team, so it would. Um, lastly, how can we pray for search team? The profile is getting really close to being out. Um, we're a couple of weeks behind our initial schedule or that we had said way back at the beginning of summer. Um, but I, we're getting really close, so how can we pray for prayer team? in your words. Yeah, I just wrote down three requests. Um, most of all, that we would know the voice of the Spirit and would trust God's leading and timing. Like this is the point at which it'd be really tempting to get into a hurry. Um, and that we would just wouldn't hold tightly to any hopes or plans or opinions we have, but that we would be constantly open to correction 
and to whatever God wants to do. Again, just continually sifting and rethinking, why? Is it biblical? Pray that God, and well, the third one, pray that God would be seen and glorified in the process and in the outcome. Okay, well, yeah. I will pray for that right now. Thank you so much for coming up and um, sharing with us and serving uh, in this capacity. It's been, a, it's been a great joy, but it's also been one of those things where we're really learning a lot uh, on the fly as we're doing this. So let me pray for us. Pray for this, uh, the Spirit and Him coming alive in these two verses, and uh, then we'll get into it. It's so true, Father, that we don't know how to pray. And some of us, when we hear that, we agree. And some of us, we're actually hurt by that because of our life circumstances, Lord. There's some here that are in, in great, great pain. So would you send your spirit on us to, to teach us about your sufficiency, to teach us about your goodness, but also to move in our hearts, Lord, so that we might trust you more as we're, as we're here and we hear your words, and we hear what you're doing. And I ask God that we would walk away with a, a deeper trust, a deeper hope, a deeper vision of your ministry right now in praying over us. And I do pray for your will to be done on search team. Lord, we pray that the right guy would come along at the right time. We pray for you to be uh, opening his eyes to Cedar Rapids, to our church, to our congregation, to our body. We pray, Lord, that you would be prepping him uh, in a way that only you can do, Lord Holy Spirit, um, with the thoughts, with the, the words. I just ask God that you would be moving and stirring and leading, wooing uh, the right person to come at the right time. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your work that you've done here. I thank you for bringing us together. We pray all these things, Lord, for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 8, 26 through 27, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray for as we ought. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God with groanings that are too deep for words. These are the kind of the things that I want to focus in on in this short passage, but it's so powerful. This passage is ridiculously powerful, and I'm hoping it becomes more powerful when we slow down and we drink it, drink it in down to the, to the dregs. What is Paul talking about in this ministry of the Holy Spirit right here? Because what we, what he is talking about is a ministry of the Holy Spirit to us throughout the entire uh, chapter of 8 of Romans, and he's also really focusing in on this ministry that he's doing right now, real time, praying for us, groanings that are too deep for words. But let's just overview what is life in the Spirit according to Romans 8. In verse 2, we are set free from sin and death by the Spirit. Verse 4 that our walk in the Spirit points to the righteous requirements of the law being fulfilled in us through Christ's work on the cross. Again, through walking in the Spirit, we, we gain knowledge of that and better knowledge. 
Verse 6, our minds are then set on life and peace, submitted to God's law. How? Through the Spirit. Verses 10 through 11, the Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies, just the way that the Spirit rose Jesus from the dead and, and gave life to his mortal body. He does the same thing to our mortal bodies. Verse 12, he's putting to death deeds of our bodies. Verse 16, he is bearing witness that we are children of God. We become children of God through Jesus, but we forget it, so he bears witness about that to us real time, all the time. And then verse 18 through 27, he introduces the groaning ministry of the Holy Spirit. Creation is groaning. We see that in, in uh, chapter 8 that we are groaning inwardly as we wait to be adopted fully by God. And the Holy Spirit is groaning on our behalf in prayer. So the summary, we cannot set ourselves free from the law of sin and death. God does that through Jesus who hands us over to the Holy Spirit. Jesus completely condemns sin. And because of that, he then hands us off to walk in the Spirit. Left to ourselves, we will live in the flesh, and that ends up in death. But Jesus didn't hand us off to the flesh. He handed us off to the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. Jesus handed his own body over to the Spirit, and then he hands us and our earthly bodies over to the Holy Spirit. He hands us over to the Holy Spirit to put to death deeds of our flesh. He hands our sonship and our daughtership over to what the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. Then we cannot pray like we ought to, but God has that covered as well through his Holy Spirit. See, in this chapter, it's pretty easy to see that power comes on us as believers through the finished work of Jesus, but then through the, the life-giving ministry of the Holy Spirit. It culminates when the Holy Spirit is empowering us and advocating for us to pray the will of God. The Holy Spirit. Some versions of the Bible call him the Holy Ghost. And as I was prepping for this, I came up with t-shirt ideas. Um, some of you are going to groan inwardly as I say these. But God is ghosting me and I like it, right? <laughs> Got the ghost? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, figured. My favorite. I ain't afraid of no ghost. But the main thesis is this, the ministry of the Holy Spirit's happening real time. He is moving and advocating and groaning and praying on our behalf right now, right now in heaven in real time. He's not only doing that, he's giving us everything we need. He empowers us for life. He empowers us to pray. The, the Bible says just because the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for us, it doesn't say, well, don't pray. He's got it covered. Actually, it says the the opposite, pray without ceasing, continually pray, continually groan, continually plead the way the Holy Spirit pleads with groanings that are too deep for words. Now, I don't know what without ceasing means. Pray for an hour straight, pray at the beginning of every hour when you're awake. I don't know. The method is not the point here. The point is the Holy Spirit is advocating for us before the Father in heaven right now, pleading without ceasing. He is praying without stopping. And we gain the benefits of that. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It says that in verse 26. I want to really focus in on this phrase. Likewise, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So there are lots of ways that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Like we walked through some of these, like he's giving life to us in our bodies, etc., etc. But there's one part that Jesus prays when he's praying for us, and he says, um, Lord, I have been sent to these guys. They're now sent to the world. So it's discipleship. It's being sent. And that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Like he started the church by empowering men who would then go and, and, and preach the good news to other men who would then go and preach it to other men and preach it to other men so that discipleship happened. And it seems to be a really important ministry that God does for us because it's mentioned throughout Scripture. Jesus says, uh, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey my commands. And he's praying for us, and he is always living and uh, making intercession for us, that Jesus is praying for us. The Spirit is groaning on our behalf. But he is basically saying, you will not be able to be sent into the world unless I empower you to be sent into the world. And then you go and you are sent into the world to find other disciples who make other disciples who make other disciples. It's discipleship. That you, the moment you became a believer, are empowered to go and make disciples. So if you've been a disciple for five minutes, you find someone who's been a disciple for one minute and you start discipling them. Or you go to someone who doesn't yet know Jesus and teach him or her how to obey the commands of Jesus. This is an empowered church, one that makes disciples, right? One that takes what we know to be true and good and take it and impart it to someone else who then understands it to be good and to be true him or herself. And I want to illustrate this. So I have a picture that I sent in, and I'd like for you to put that up there on the screen. There. That is me. And yes, you can laugh because it was a while ago, and the, the trends were different back then. But the point is this, that I'm sitting in, in water, okay? Now what you need to know is this water is almost chin deep. That's like five feet deep but I'm sitting in it like I'm sitting in a lounge chair, right? This is the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is so filled with salt and minerals that you float on it. Like, I literally look like I'm in a lounge chair in, in water that goes up to my chin. Like, I can barely touch the bottom without my mouth getting filled with salt water in this picture. And the thing that makes the, the Dead Sea work is it has all these incredibly rich salts that are in it. Like, it's just filled with salts and minerals, so much so that, like, it, it makes your skin feel really smooth. When I got out of here, my skin felt really smooth for several days after just being in there for a few minutes. And right outside of the Dead Sea, there's gift shops that mail these salts to everyone all around the world so that they can gain from the richness of the salts that are in the Dead Sea. They can they put them in face creams and, and lotions and all of that so that your skin gets the value of all the value that's in the Dead Sea. Beautiful, um, enriched salts and minerals that are making this so thick that you can sit in it and float. It's amazing. But here's the thing about the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea because nothing grows within these salts. It is so salt thick. It is so saline that there's no animals that will grow 
in the Dead Sea. It's why it's called the Dead Sea and not the live and teeming with life sea. So we see this and we're like, okay, so there's some good stuff that's in here. There's salts and all of that. And yet there's no life. There's nothing in it. And the reason that there's nothing in it that lives, the reason that these salts collect in the Dead Sea is because there's no outlet. It's just being poured into. So rain will fall and during the season and push the salts down into the Dead Sea, and it becomes a repository for all of these good, rich minerals. Okay, so what does this have to do with the church and discipleship? If this church, if any church has no outlet, has no pass-through that they're making disciples that are, is outward-pointed, it becomes like the Dead Sea where it's just being poured into and, and it's very rich and it's very mineral-filled, but it's dead. How can you say that, Glenn? Well, what we would do is we would read this and, and gain from it. Like, these are rich words. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It's a deep truth but if it stays right here, it's not making disciples. There's no outlet. Sometimes when we pray, we, we get some really, really deep, sound theological things that are so helpful to us. But if we don't, in turn, teach someone else how to pray and get those, it's, it's death. So as a church, we need to have an outlet. We need to have this movement outward to make other disciples who will make other disciples so that we don't just become this sea that has no life in it but is really rich of the truths of God. We need help with this. We need deep help with this. Another thing that happened is I got a little bit of that water in my eye, and my eye was burning for a week. It was red. It looked like somebody punched me just because of the little minerals that got in there. This is not how God designed this. any church, is to be stuck, mineral-rich, but flowing out, flowing in from God, but flowing out to make other disciples. And we need help with this, to think of my neighbors coming and praying, it, there needs to be power behind that. I can't win them with my words. Like I can, I can read this, but unless the Spirit brings conviction, unless he brings life, unless he brings them to Jesus, I, I'm, I'm without power. But yet, he gives us, he helps us in our weakness. See, we need to pray because, quite honestly, life is terrible for some. I know some of your stories. I know some of you guys are suffering. I know that you're deeply discouraged. I know that there's, there's health issues in some of your households, and, and there's frustration, and there's anger. Some of you have unbearable circumstances in some of your lives. Some of you have what I would call demonic presence in people that are around you, and it feels like they're torturing you. This is our lives. Like, we have penetrating, and long needs for us. They're, they're, they're difficult. We're disappointed. Our hope has been dashed. We're unsettled. He says the Spirit helps us in that. He helps us in our weakness. Why prayer? Why does he focus in on prayer? Prayer works. That's probably why. Moses he prayed and water closed in on his enemies 
and left the children of Israel safe when they were coming after him. Abraham prayed when everyone else was serving and, and living in uh, uh, lands filled with gods that were pagan and not worshiping Yahweh, he prayed and, and it was reckoned to him as faith when he believed that God would make a nation out of him. And what did God do? He made a nation out of him, a, a nation that would serve Yahweh alone. David prayed when he completely screwed up not only his own life, but the lives of another family that he egregiously sinned against. And he prayed and he wrote Psalm 51, prayer works. He found forgiveness. Paul prayed when he had gotten beaten with 39 lashes. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown into jail and he was trying to get the gospel to Rome. And prayer worked because we have the gospel according to Paul in Rome that we're reading from this morning because prayer works. Jesus prayed. He prayed some very short prayers like, be healed, and they were healed. People would stand up and they would walk. But the Father answered the Son because the Father loves the Son, and Jesus' prayers worked, and Jesus has prayed for you. We're going to be getting into the Gospel of John when Randy starts preaching and Chapters 13 through 17 are really, really important chapters. And in 17, you see Jesus praying. It was, must have been so important to John that he wrote it down. He recorded it. And what we see is Jesus praying for us. He prayed for us. And you're here, you're in the faith, because Jesus' prayers were answered. Jesus prayed, and it, and it worked. But why would prayer ever work? It's because God takes over when we pray, right? The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. What we are seeing right here in this moment is the the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is praying on our behalf. He's praying on on our behalf, and that's why prayer works. God is there when you pray. He's transcribing or translating your prayers. He's giving power to groan deeply. He's making your prayers so that they can reach the ears of the Father in heaven, and your prayers get through to God, not because of your prayers, but because He is praying for you. He's praying according to God's will. I did a little bit of study in in the Greek this week, and Basically, this verb, he's interceding for us with groanings that are too deep for words, interceding, that's the way that we uh, say it in English. But in, in Greek, it's a lifting up and carrying us with him. Like The Spirit is lifting us up and carrying us with him into prayer with groanings that are too deep for words. So without the help of God talking to God, We don't know how we should pray, it says. Our prayers wouldn't work. But he does. He translates. He transcribes. So our prayers get answered. And how? How do we pray? Well, let's talk about desperation and groanings. Because that's how he's praying. But with with hope. We have no reason to hope that our prayers would be answered outside of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, according to these verses. He is groaning for us. When we pray, I've watched you guys change in your prayers. I've heard your prayers differently since we've been 
really focusing in on prayers on Sunday mornings. Like you guys maybe started out with more of a casual, um, I'm going to like just say this, not really knowing what to say. And this isn't a pejorative thing. Like this is a big thing for a congregation of people to pray together. But man, over the last couple of weeks, you guys are, are groaning. You guys are asking, God, will you make it so that people's marriages, that their hearts are soft toward one another? That's a groaning prayer. Lord, uh, I know someone who's deeply discouraged. You're groaning for them. God, we want to pray your will, not our will. These are the prayers that you guys are praying because we're getting to the end of our energy and our ability. We get to the end of ourselves. We get to the point where words no longer work. We are weak and we are universally without ability. We just groan. Have you ever prayed like that? I've heard some of you do that, but I got to ask the question, have you ever prayed so much that you're in this place where like, I, I got nothing else to say. All that's coming out of my mouth is kind of a groan. It's a guttural sound. And it's the, the words just don't help. I need help. I need power. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's groaning. We accept that we're weak. That's how we pray in the Spirit. You acknowledge that you don't know how to pray because that's really what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know how to pray, and that's absolutely true. I remember when my second daughter was about three. Her name's Geneva. And I remember walking into the room after a day of work, and she was just so excited to tell me about her day. So she just starts telling me about her day. But the problem is she's unintelligible. Like, I can't understand what she's saying. It's just, it's, she's really happy but I don't know what she's saying. And then finally, she, the, we hit this really awkward point in the conversation where she's asking me to do something, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're saying. I mean, this went on for an awkward amount of time until finally Pearl's like, Dad, she just wants you to get her some yogurt. And I'm like, oh, is that what you want? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can do that. I love you, and, and I'll do that. But this is this is how it is. Like, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to get the words out. And the Holy Spirit is there translating for us so that the Father, who always does what's good and right and perfect, who his character is without shifting shadows, he, is, he understands everything strategically that's going on in the world, including your life. And he needs to have that translated sometimes according to this. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself lifts us, carries us along with groanings too deep for words. Why? And he who searches hearts knows what the mind is of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is why his prayers are answered, because he's so sufficient. He knows the mind of God. He is the mind of God, the spirit of God. He understands what the Father's will is. So he's not trying to meet any other standard other than the Father's will. He's not meeting man's standards when he's praying for us. He's meeting God's standards, which is imperative that we meet God's standards when we pray according to this, praying his will. That's the only way that this is done is the Spirit to intervene and pray on our, our behalf, and He helps us, and He does it. But I am amazed 
that it's God's will that is the thing to be prayed. And yet, in his love, he carries us along into the presence of God's will. And here's what I mean by that, is that on the, on, when God created the heavens and the earth, he, he put the sun into the galaxy and put it right there and put it within inches of what it needs to be away from earth to properly heat and make sure that it doesn't burn up. And he created it at whatever temperature it is, and he created it in such a way that the energy that comes out from it would reach us at the right time, at the right temperature. But he did this alone. There were no people that were there. He, he did it alone. He created. And then the moon, like if you guys have seen the moon lately, it's this full moon. It's gorgeous. If reflecting the sun, again, he did that alone. God does so much on his own. But when it comes to praying, he does it with us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He lifts us up and carries us along in prayer. He helps us with the point of our words. He helps us. We know that we should pray, but we don't know what to pray, so he helps us. We know that we need to ask God, but he knows what we need. He knows God's will, and he helps us. And he takes what we need and what God's will is, and he brings these things together in his person. And what we see are groanings that are too deep for words. We hit the target when we pray because of our intercessor. Weakness doesn't mean give up. He is the answer to our weakness, to groan. The all-sufficiency of the Holy Spirit is the only solution in our prayer lives groaning and pleading. So at this moment, we have an advocate who is there praying for us, lifting us up, carrying us along to pray. So we're going to respond through prayer. We've been doing this. Um, our time is a little bit shorter today, about 20 minutes or so. Um, the prayer prompts, we'll bring those up onto the screen just to give you a preview, and then he'll silently change those in the background as we're praying but the first one simply says, how have I offended you or quenched you or resisted you, Holy Spirit? It's a question to ask. What is my deepest groaning? This one, maybe, um, maybe you don't feel comfortable praying this out loud, and that's fine. You can take a moment to just pray silently in your group or, or whatever. There's, it's not like we have to be praying out loud or, or not, but the thing is to go to him and to ask. Consider a prayer of thanks to the Holy Spirit for his intercessory role in your prayer life and the prayer life of Redeemer Church. Do not quench the Spirit, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So that gives us something to think about and pray about as we're in our uh, prayer groups. And the second one is this, the second prayer prompt. Number two, there we go. Help Redeemer pray prayers that are in the will of God, asking him, help us to pray in your will. Pray for the will of God over our building situation. We're still waiting to hear back. We're still waiting to get an offer on our building that's for sale up in uh, Cedar Falls. We are asking 700. We haven't gotten an, uh, uh, an offer yet. I had heard that there was one coming in. It hasn't come in yet. So just pray that God's will would happen over that, right? Groanings, too deep for words. Pray for the will of God over our new pastoral hire. Pray for the will of God over the spiritual warfare happening both in and outside of our church. Like I said, there are people that are greatly discouraged. There are people that have 
um, physical uh, ailments in their households. Um, It's not just our church. It's happening everywhere in every church where it's just a global uh, warfare against those who love Jesus. So praying for God's will over this spiritual warfare happening both inside and outside of our church. Romans 8, 27, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So spend some time praying together, and then uh, I'll come back up and close this out, and then we'll continue on worshiping together.